Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Andy Shaver here with the Big Honker Podcast, and on this episode of the show, Jeff and I, we uh, we share a couple hunting stories, and we talk about the motion systems that are in decoys nowadays, but we also talk about hunter etiquette, and it's a little shocking to us that we have to spell it out the way that we do here in 2018, but hey, times are hard, so uh, we kind of go over the do's and don'ts and you know what is acceptable after your buddy takes you to his favorite little honey hole. Hint, hint, it ain't taking your own friends out there and shooting shooting the birds that he's worked hard to find. So uh, we go over some of that. And if you've ever been screwed over by somebody, anybody ever sneak in on your little honey pot, share this with them. Say, hey, prick, you did me wrong. Or on the other side of the, on the, other side of the coin, if you've ever been the one to screw over your buddy, now would be a good time to make amends. So anyway, we hope that you enjoy and we hope that you get something out of it. from OSU they don't like OU yeah. telling you I, I know what I see three two one boom and welcome to the big honker lodge big honker podcast almost screwed up again brought to you by Stanfield hunting outfitters we put them in your face www.stanfieldhunting.com and this is Jeff Stanfield and I am with my trusty sidekick Andy Shaver, how's it going, everybody? Uh, we've got a little giveaway going on on Facebook. We are giving away. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you tell the people, Jeff. You do better that you do. You I'm do better. A good job. I'm better at giving shit away. Yeah. We are giving away a four man goose hunt with lodging and meals in November, right the week after Thanksgiving. Just check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, but the giveaway is only on Facebook. The giveaway is on Facebook. Facebook, and that's Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Outfitters on Facebook. And we're giving away, a, like I said again, a four-man goose hunt with lodging, meals, and bird cleaning. And just look us up on Stanfield Hunting Outfitters on Facebook for that giveaway. Yep. So I've got a link up, and all you got to do is uh, share it, tag four of your buddies, and comment done. In the comment section, you'll see quite a bit of people have already have already been doing that. So anyway, uh, we wanted to put that at the front of this episode. That way, if you motherfuckers turn us off by the end, you've already heard the you've already heard the good <laughs> news about the giveaway. So you're welcome. Listen to the whole fucking thing though, and remember to follow the directions. We had some people just put done on it. You have to tag and put four people correct. Yes. Yeah, four people, and you've got to share the link on your on your timeline. Tag four people. Comment done. If you just comment done, like some of you sneaky bastards were trying to do, uh, that is invalid. So make sure share it. Tag done. Boom. That's do, it. Do we get any hate mail this week, or since the last couple of days? Uh, no, no hate mail. Just more the regular, more the regular. 
praise. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of that, and that makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. But like I told you, you know you made it. You know you've, you're making waves when you start getting the hate mail. Well, we'll, we'll get some more of that, I, I can assure you. We got, uh, we got some about, I don't know, six weeks ago. We were doing a whole bunch of Facebook Lives, and I don't know who, I don't know who got a hold of us or whatever, but we got about three nasty letters in a row. Ever since then, though, everybody's been cool. Everybody's liked what we've been doing. So, you know. That's so, always good. So did you? W- w- this is a Sunday. We're 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 doing this on a Sunday night. So we just we've been gone to Dallas. So how was your weekend, Andy? Uh, it was an eventful weekend. Took the kids to the Dallas Aquarium. I got I got two words for you. Fuck Dallas. Okay, <laughs> Fort Worth. We're cool, but fuck Dallas. I we my wife and I we parked in a, in a parking lot. Paid uh, bukus of money to park there. In downtown Dallas, correct? Downtown Dallas. And we met the world's hardest working fucking parking attendant ever. <laughs> so we left because we were done with the aquarium. And then we get a phone call. Hey, let's do a carriage ride. We'll go down by Dealey Plaza, see where JFK uh, got schwacked. And we'll do all that. The kids will love it. So I think, okay, fuck, I've, I paid for all day. Whip right into that same parking spot. Nobody taking it yet. Hop out. This, uh, like I said, the world's hardest working parking attendant walks up, waddles up. She doesn't walk. She waddles up to us and says, "You've got to pay another, uh, another five thousand dollars." What it seemed like to park there. There's no in and out privileges in this parking lot. I'm thinking, what the fuck? We were. We- we were in the aquarium for 30, 45 minutes. We've been gone maybe five, so I've, I've paid $10 to park here until 5 o'clock Sunday morning, and I left, and now you're telling me i got to pay again. In the meantime, while this is going on, I've got carriages held up, and this dock lady is chewing on my ass because it's costing her money because we ain't, they ain't got a ride right then, regardless if nobody else had come up trying to get on one. I've got two of them tied up. She was telling you it was costing them money? Yes. We need to hurry up. We can't be waiting up. Rules say we got to go, go, go. We can't hold a carriage up. What a bitch. And I'd already paid them. Really? And Fuck gave Dallas. gratuity to them. Fuck Dallas. So when I got up, so when I got up, they're all pissed off. She had, uh, met, you think she thought I was talking about her? Well, I'm sure after she'd already been chewing on my ass about wanting to know where y'all are at. Oh. She was nothing but nice whenever I got there. Well, yeah, because she'd already chewed on my ass. Oh, I didn't know that. She already had the taste of ass in her mouth. She didn't want yours. Mm. I was, I was, I am not impressed with Dallas. The aquarium was really nice. The aquarium was nice. I enjoyed seeing where the carriage ride was nice. It smelled like horse shit. Well, yeah, you're riding behind a horse that's taking his shit. Well, and it was 93 degrees. Fuck Dallas, Fort Worth. <laughs> you're still okay. I'm never going to Dallas again. I like Fort Worth a lot more now. Fort Worth is Texas. Dallas is just like being in any other big city in America. And they're all dickheads. <laughs> Very liberal city, full of full of museums and oh, which I well, like museums. no, they're not. I mean, fuck, you know, capitalism at its best. There, you got to pay another ten fucking dollars because you left here. <laughs> fucking over ten dollars. It's over great. Ten, uh, it's, it's ten. It wasn't five thousand. It was fucking. It might as well have been five thousand because that ten dollars pissed me right off. <laughs> Oh, and then we go to the hotel, and the grandkids want to go swimming, so we go to the pool, take them swimming, and we get to meet. We stay at a hotel, and I guess it's common right now in Dallas in the Arlington area. What are you staying around? Kid baseball teams playing tournaments, and 
we, my kids did the same thing. Something about the old coach. Andy obviously is interested in becoming a Little League baseball coach now. So we get to the pool. Uh, we've got it all to ourselves for about 15 minutes or so. Ah, oh, fuck, it was probably longer than that. It was probably 30 minutes. Kids are having a good time. The water is about fucking three degrees above freezing, above the freeze point. Kids are still having a good time. Their poor little teeth are chattering. And then I guess the baseball teams got done. And the the baseball kids came in. They jump in, you know, like teen, pre-teens will do. And, uh, and then the parents showed up. And I guess it's just, uh, I guess... I guess summer travel baseball is just a fucking beer drinking fest for the parents because every one of them had their own different uh, had their own different case of beer uh, and had, they had it all brought out to the to the pool side and the coach was fucking double fisting Bud Lights and parents were uh, shotgunning beers and doing cannonballs into the pool. So weren't you drinking a beer too? Yeah, I was. Oh, was. So it's different for you, though. Well, yeah. Those guys are dealing with youngsters, teen, young teen boys. So uh, I ordered a pizza, went and got it, and I went and got another beer from the from the bar right before I right before I started eating my pizza. And the coach came to the bartender and said, "Listen, no more shots for the long haired hippie dude out there." So I guess one of them was getting a little getting a little rowdy. So. I don't know. This this summer league baseball thing looks like a big fucking party for the parents. I think that's a lot, a lot of the parents take that stuff so serious. They over over overdo it a lot of them. Really? The moms especially. They yeah. one mother even had a shirt on that said uh God dang, what did it say? Something like parental control needed. I thought, yeah, I bet you're getting loud for lady. Her? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can't you imagine that big fucking wildebeest yelling at an umpire? <laughs> Oh, yeah, you wouldn't. And baseball's I, so fucking stupid anyway. Why do people get worked up over it? I did the same thing. You just it's life. It's com- competition. When you was playing, you wanted to win. I never remember you ever wanting to lose. I remember you getting excited when we won. We went to the third round of Little League one year. Boy, you were fired up every day and cried when it was over. Yeah, but I mean, with the parents acting like jackasses, that's enough. That, it, it's it's silly, people. I got kicked out of a baseball game once. So. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Over See, a stupid ass you're call. The same fucking. You're, you're that parent. No, I wasn't that parent. I was right though. Though I was wrong. What happened? Oh, we were playing an Anson in a tournament, and uh, a kid come running around third. I'm not gonna say his name, but he come running around third, and would have scored the tie and run, and he tripped on the bat and fell, and the umpire called him out for sliding head first. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I threw a fit. It was freaking hot. God Almighty, it was 127 degrees in the shade. And that umpire started talking to me, and I talked back to him. He said, if you talk back to me again, you're out of here. And I told him he didn't have the balls to throw me out. He did. He did. He chucked me out. and Didn't he then, Didn't he threaten to call the cops? Yeah, and then I had to leave. And then I left, and then I was like, shit, I ain't got the keys. So I had to go back in and get keys of suburban for mom. Mm. And got the keys, and I told her, I said, I'm going to go out here and sit in the air-conditioned truck. It was great. Proud, proud moment. Oh, was, looking back now, it's kind of embarrassing. Looking back now? Oh, I wasn't embarrassed then. I was pissed. I thought I was right still. When when I'm just uh, robbing my kid. I didn't want that. It was dumb. When the game was over, did you have to see that umpire? Or it, Yeah, and I'm sure that I wasn't real nice and polite. Kind of like I was to the parking attendant? Probably about the same thing. Fucking $10. That's the problem, though, with the country, though. We got world full people that won't speak their mind. You know? And there's some times I've spoke my mind and I've been wrong looking back. And the umpire deal, I... I 
I wish I wouldn't have got thrown out. I mean, I do. That's the only time I've ever been thrown out of a game. I've coached a lot of kids' sports. Coaching kids' sports isn't easy, though, especially if you're – I mean, in, in here, let's face it, folks. You're volunteering your time, too. That's right. You're, you're volunteering your time. But those umpires, most of them are volunteering their time. They don't make much money. Yep. I mean, we're not getting major league. Hell, they fuck up on TV. The pros umpires screw up all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's life, but it, it, some and, people go way overboard on it. And I'm sure the umpires are just like us goose hunting. I bet not one umpire has showed up to the game and thought, you know what, I'm going to fuck that red team today. You're exactly right. You know, and I'm and, sure that lady at the parking lot attendant didn't think, you know what, I'm going to be a bitch to this asshole today. I think she did. No. I think she did. I was no. wearing a fucking red shirt, so I was easy to spot. <laughs> she was like, oh, this asshole's getting it. I bet it's fucking 95 degrees. I hate my job. My fucking feet hurt. This asshole's getting it. He's paying his $10. Oh. And what, what was bad about the situation is my wife doing the whole passive-aggressive woman thing. We're like, she's talking shit to me about the girl. That's always awkward. Do, 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 this is just this is just fucking ridiculous. Do, does your does Jesse ever do this? Because your mother does this. Does your Je- does Jesse ever tell you the things you're supposed to tell someone? She wasn't. She didn't. Re- yeah, she does. But she didn't in this instance. Like the fucking lady is fifteen feet away from us, and she's talking shit to me about her, about the lady. So. I was like, fuck, you might as well just look over at her and tell tell her. I had to call customer service one time on something. I don't remember. We bought something that wasn't working. or I don't even remember the whole details, but I called these people up. Shell's bitching at me the whole time, on my ass about it. And so I called up the people, and the matter she, the more she chews on my ass, the matter I am. You know, By God, I'm going to have somebody's ass. So she just kept going and going and telling me, you need to tell them this and tell them that. And I'd say something and tell them this. And finally I said, excuse me just a minute. My wife would like to talk to you and gave her the phone. Mm. Oh, she was fucking pissed. But you know what? She didn't have much to say to the lady. She didn't mind telling me what I was supposed to tell her. But yeah. by God, she didn't like it when it flipped it around. Yeah. she it was It was an awkward little bit of time for me to put in my fucking credit card. Well, I've been on the other end of the deal where you get your butt chewed and stuff. I've had my butt chewed on hunts because I've had hunts that have gone bad. That's our fault. I mean, it's nothing we did on purpose, but it was our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, it happens. And you, you get, you know, we had a hunt a couple of years ago up in Oklahoma where we got stuck. Yep. And oh my God, it, the whole world ended, they thought. And it was, it, we wasn't by any doings of our own. It was a complete, it was just a screwed up day. Act of nature was all it was. That's right. But they get they get mad and they want to, you know. Well, we had uh, we'd scouted this place the night before, and um, it had we were just drying up from a previous snowstorm, is what it was. A big snowstorm. A big snowstorm. And a month's worth of it. <clears throat> and the road to this place that we had scouted out was just getting good enough for us to drive on it. So we drive on it the night before. Well. Unbeknownst to us, we wake up and it had rained. That that I wake up the next morning, and it had rained during the night, and not much rain either. And not yeah, not a whole lot of rain. And we try to go down that road, and I'm telling you what, it was a it was a mile and a half maybe off of off of pavement, and we started fucking fishtailing pretty early there, and then finally about maybe a half of a mile, quarter mile between those two. Uh, distances, fucking stuck the trailer. Bigger than shit. Conk. And we're not going anywhere. 
And by this time, I didn't realize that guys were bailing off. So I had like four vehicles started out behind me. When we turn off down this road, uh, guys were just peeling off, not going any further. So by the time I got stuck, it was just my truck and one other, one other guy there. So, um, and then, you know, trying to regroup and fucking trailer stuck with all the decoys and gear in it. And guys are asking me, well, what are we going to do? Quite frankly, this morning's probably fuck all right now. We're going to have to get a trailer out here and, and pull this thing out. That, that morning we did. We had to had to pay a farmer to drive 25 miles in a tractor to come pull the tra- the decoy trailer out so we could hook it up to the truck. It was just an all-around mess. It was a bad, bad, bad day. Yes, it was. And it, it just turned out to be a mess. There was a big miscommunication after it was over on what we were going to do. And I, I made a decision, and half the group was okay with it. Well, the other half wasn't. I didn't know it. They got all mad. And I mean, it just turned out to be just a complete disaster. But it was it was our fault. I mean, it's our responsibility. We were doing the hunt. And looking back, if we, we could have hunted a field right outside of town and hunted that morning and done great, and then the next day we could have hunted there and come in from a different way and we would have made it. But it was just live and learn. I mean, that's part of being the hunt business. Sometimes things screw up, and, yep. and it was part of it. And I got my ass reamed so many times on that. I mean, it was just it was one of them days. So I've been on them people's shoes where you don't do anything on purpose. It's just the way things just happen bad sometimes. And now you got me feeling bad. This lady's probably just doing her job, trying to feed her family. Yeah, and you use an asshole. Making fun of her. I had a I had a guy email yesterday, and he asked me. He said or didn't ask. He sent his message that he liked what we were doing, boy. And he wished to tell more hunting stories. And I was like, well, hell, I tell hunting stories all the time. I said, what kind of hunting stories? He said, just tell tell a story about a good hunt or or, or some different hunts. And so. I it made me think back a couple of years before I got into the hunting business. I was probably 18, 19 years old. We hunted up here on the old Playa Lake, north of Knox City, about 40 miles. And me and I'd scouted the night before, and there was a bunch of geese using it. I'm going to say a bunch of geese, maybe 1,500 to 2,500 geese. Had a lot of ducks on it. And our duck population had gotten down to where I think we could only shoot three ducks a day. And that's why I really started goose hunting. I used to duck hunting. I started goose hunting because the population changed. So me and a buddy of mine from Dallas and another two two friends of mine from Dallas come up to Wichita Falls. They stayed with me. And we came up here to go hunting. Well, we got up here. We, we got up here that morning. We knew there was a big front coming. And they didn't tell us what time the front was going to get here. I mean, they, they did. It was just overnight there'll be a front coming. Be somewhere around first light. So we got up here and we, we set up our decoys. And we had the big 747 decoys that we had. And, and I put them on the water because the water was not a half inch deep anyways. And I put them 747 decoys kind of like in front of us as a kill hole. And I had a, f- a few of the old black and white silhouettes that I used and a half a dozen duck decoys. Not, not a big spread at all, but we stuck them in the water in front of us. And it was a milo field that was flooded. And at first light, we're starting to shoot some ducks. And you could look to the north and it was just black. I mean, black, black, black low black clouds looked like a thunderstorm coming in and it was a north wind in the front getting here and that front hit about 30 minutes after first light first light it was probably 40 degrees 35 to 40 it wasn't below freezing but it was it wasn't really warm it hit and when it did the temperature dropped about 20 degrees in about 15 minutes by the time the hunt got we were going to start picking up the water had froze solid, and those 747 decoys were sliding across the ice. 
from north to south. We shot a bunch of ducks and geese. It was a great, great, great morning. But that's that, that's one that's one of the hunts I can remember it, it, before I really got in the hunting business. Just a day with the weather. The weather made the hunt what it was. And that's the kind of days I miss. Don't do, do you like the mornings when the fronts hit first in the morning? Because uh, we've had a lot of days that the fronts have hit us first at, in the middle of the hunt. Well, you got a flip flop. <clears throat> yeah, I'd rather it. Person personally, I'd rather it hit at four o'clock the afternoon before that way. But yeah, I mean, there, I've had I've had some instances where <clears throat> big fronts coming and. You can kind of plan for it. I know one day for me, uh, uh, just one off the top of my head that kind of goes with what you are you were talking about, pull up to a wheat field and we had a west wind. <clears throat> so we, uh, we, we're, looking into the sun, we're looking into the sun as the sun's rising. And kind of like Jeff's sun gets up, you can see, look back to the north and it's just it's blue. I mean, it's not black. It's it's blue. Cold blue northerns heading it, heading our way. And I had I had 10 or so guys or something like that. Hard west wind. Birds came off the lake and we we shot and shot and shot and I think we were 10 birds short whenever that front hit and the wind, you know, I said it was a west wind and it was just progressively changing and turning out of the north as the as the day wore on. And like every time we'd shoot, I'd have to run up and and take take decoys off of my what would be my right wing because uh, I had just a basic U out that morning. So um, as the wind starts changing to the north, I tear down more of my uh, more of my right side of my spread and leave it open that way. So that way it looks kind of like a Nike swoosh at, by the time it was all said and done. But uh, we needed ten birds by the by the time the front hit, and then we got those right away. But I think that day it started out. I left my truck, and it was like fifty five degrees. When I got back, it was like twenty five. So it was it was quite a big temperature change. You, you know, uh, the wind makes a big difference in our hunting. I'm sure it's everywhere. I'm sure, it's everywhere. But there's so many times that we've hunted with no wind early in the morning that I've checked on the guys in the morning, eight o'clock, eight thirty. And it's pretty slow. There's no wind. Birds are kind of just not really wanting to do it. And then the wind will pick up. Because a lot of times where we are here, our wind picks up out of the south in the morning. As the day goes on, it progressively gets stronger. Wind gets up, then all of a sudden you shoot out real fast. And the wind is the biggest key. Do you think that these motion decoys make enough difference when it's not windy? That if that it'll make the birds work better, I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm trying to word this. I'm not wording it very well. So, do I think that they that the motion decoys make a difference? Do you think they hunt? work? Yes. Do you, yes. Do you think they work? That's what I'm trying to ask. I do believe that they work. Yes, 100. percent Because uh, we use we use Tangle Free, and I bought a whole bunch of Dakotas uh, about 10 years. No, it wasn't that long. Five or six years ago, I bought a whole bunch of Dakotas. And they, you know, they've just got that little bungee system and they kind of, they turn with the wind a little bit. But yes, I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe they make all the difference in the world. Just because, uh, you know, that's what birds do. You look at birds in a field, none of them are fucking still unless they're sleeping. So, yeah, 100%. 100% they work. And, you know, silhouettes, 
you need that wind because they don't move as easily. So if you can get a 10 or 15 mile an hour wind with silhouettes, they'll really have a nice little shake to them. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. You put silhouettes out on a uh, frosty, no wind day. You Really, you put any decoy out on a frosty, no wind day. <clears throat> Good luck. Frost gets on your decoys and no wind, it is a bad, bad, bad recipe because um, I don't know about here, I don't know about where, uh, wherever you're at listening, uh, but I know here the birds don't really fly until the sun is at the perfect angle. <clears throat> Damn it, I can't get this up, whatever it is. The, the, the birds don't start flying until the sun is at the perfect angle to just glare on those decoys when they're the frost. And then, of course, they get to about 75 yards and <laughs> paya. So wind does make all the difference in the world, 100%. I'm just going over a few things, I've, some of the questions um, we've had asked. You know, Guggenheim, uh, he, he I, I saw his post today, and it was, if you make, if you go the extra mile in concealment, uh, you won't be... You won't have to waste time changing decoys, changing up decoys, moving decoys, because you're wondering what's wrong. Oh, hiding's definitely the number one thing. Yeah. Well, I, I know one of the emails the guy asked today. I'd say hiding and then and then decoys. Guy asked the other day if I thought, do, do you think putting out mallard drake decoys or mallard hen makes a big difference? I, I don't think a mallard really cares if it's mallard hens or mallard drakes i would say have a mix just so it looks i'm i'm all about okay here's my priorities when it comes to a decoy spread if i don't have numbers it's i'm about realism okay uh, if i've got if i've got numbers and i've got a bunch of decoys you're gonna hide a lot of your flaws just in the in the sheer volume of decoys that you've got so if you don't have numbers, make them extra real. Make your spread extra real. And uh, we'll talk about decoy placement and all that other good stuff at a later date. But for this answer, I would say have a mix. It depend if you're if you're hunting two dozen decoys, have hens. Okay. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I don't think that. I don't think that a bird would say, fuck, no, I'm not landing there if all you have is drakes. But, you know, make it make it real and have some hens out there. So, yeah, I would have I would definitely have hens. For sure. Well, I, you know, the the hens, the drakes, what, whatever you have. I think color is the biggest thing with ducks. Pintail decoys. I don't care if you're hunting shooting pintails or not. Pintail decoys are good because they show up. Well, and you know, a hen's going to blend in with the ground too. So I really don't know how well. If you're hunting a field and you're hunting field decoys, you know that hen's going to blend right in with the ground. What'd you say about the pintails? Like pintail decoys. I think pintail decoys work great just because of the color. I don't. Oh, it, because I, they're white. Yes, yeah. they're just the right. white, and they show up so well. Right. Even on days we're not going to shoot pintails, mm -hmm. we throw you throw out some pintails and the widgeon, the tangle free. Uh, Widgeon. Widgeon that we bought, the full body ones, they work good. Yeah. Which we shoot a lot of widgeons. We shoot a lot of widgeon on the wheat. So, yeah, they, they definitely have their place. Um, but, yeah, you know, any uh, – if, if if you've got ducks in your field, 
you know, throw out six or seven or eight or nine. That's what we always do. Mix them up, put them right in the kill hole, and those widgeons are fucking dumb. Hoo-wee. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you always, you'll, you'll see the widgeons the night before and you kind of hope that, uh, hope that they'll show up. And when they do, my goodness, those widgeon will just suck right into those, to those duck decoys that you got out. And if you got a, if you have a spinner out, which we use Lucky Duck because it's got a, it's got a nice remote and that's just what we got. But they will suck to those duck decoys and they will go right to those spinners. I love a good widgeon hunt. Probably my favorite duck to hunt. Boy, we shoot, we shoot a lot of them. Gosh, mighty, they boy, they do it. They do it good. Just because they're so dumb and they do it so right. I love hunting widgeons in the wheat. Really, you don't you don't see widgeons a whole lot of other places. No, that's that's only and and, and we kill them in the wheat. Just they're just little geese. That's all they are. Yeah. And they they sh- do. They ball up and come right in and. Hmm. A whole lot of fun can be had. You know, we shot a banded widgeon probably about 1993, 94 that was it was up on the old Red Rock Ranch or whatever it's called north of, north of uh, God dang it, Rhineland. And um, I forgot the name. It's Red Something Ranch. But anyways, it had a solid, it had a, it had a band on it and it was so old and worn that there wasn't a number on it. On the widgeon? Yep. Zach also shot a spec that was the same way, wasn't it? Twenty one years old? No, that's a Canada. It's but it, it was, it was ringed it was ringed out. It was twenty three years old. Twenty three. That's the oldest band we've ever retrieved. But we had a widget and we didn't we couldn't do nothing with it. But it's just a solid just not a not a number on it anywhere. That that's the funny thing is people that want to shoot banded birds. And I've had so many guys that think you base your life on if you're a good waterfowl hunter or not, if you've shot a banded bird. Mm-hmm. And it's the opposite. Right. You don't. I mean, I know lots of men that are great duck hunters, have hunted their whole lives, have never shot a banded bird. And I had a guy on a hunt here one time, and he'd never been on a waterfowl hunt before, and he come up on a corporate hunt, and he shot a banded grader, probably the last banded grader we killed. And it was a single come in, and the company was, he was the big client, owned a, owned a company that did a lot of business with this company. And they was like, let him shoot it, let him shoot it. And he shot that some bitch had a band on it. Well, hell, he thought he was the waterfowl god after that. <laughs> it's just the luck of the draw, but. That's all it is. Or you're hunting an area that, uh, you know, has quite a bit of banding. The central flyway is fairly stable, so we don't, we don't shoot a whole lot of, we don't shoot a whole lot of banded birds. There, and, and like, I, I think I've said this in a, in a prior podcast, but we shoot more speckle belly bands, uh, than we do Canada bands. So yeah, I don't. I mean, my land. I've been doing this twenty years, and my lanyard is not full yet. I think that we have gotten. I, I was doing it the other day, just looking back, and we've killed about every kind of bird, except for a shoveler in our flyway that's banded. Never killed a banded shoveler. We've huh? never killed a banded shoveler, and I'll be damned if I ever get one. I'm going to mount it. Fuck yeah! But we've killed everything else. We've killed blue wings, green wings. We haven't ever killed a banded cinnamon, but we don't kill very many cinnamon till anyways. No. I'd like to have a, if anybody out there in podcast land has got a beautiful cinnamon drake and you shoot some every year, I would love to have one to get mounted and put in my lodge. I don't care if I killed it or not. I'd just like to have one because I don't have a cinnamon teal that's mounted. But uh, You had a cinnamon teal. Well, it was a disaster of a taxidermy job. Mm. But Mm-mm. we haven't killed any since that year. Nope. I keep a tally of everything we kill every year, the numbers and stuff, and 
and we we one year we killed about 25 cinnamon teal and we haven't killed them since i don't know why that one year we killed them and before that we never killed any so it's pretty rare for us but we've killed banded redheads we've killed a banded ringneck banded can uh no we've never killed a banded canvas back see there well you smoked a bunch of canvas but how many canvas backs you shoot this year on that hunt uh i think it was like What's the limit first? It was two birds per man limit. Whatever it was, you shot a full limit. You shot a full limit of canvas back, so 20, 22? Yeah. Never had that happen before. A beautiful bird. Beautiful, beautiful bird. In, in the southwest corner of Oklahoma. And they're a deep water bird, too, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So I, 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 sh- I show up to the to the pond that I'm hunting, and knowing that they're a, you know, a diver, I'm like, oh, I bet this fucking pond is deep. And sure shit, it was deep. I made it about three steps out, and that's where all of my decoys were. They were right on the bank because I could not go past about three steps, and that was all she wrote. But there was it was before it was before the big freeze, so there was snails and there was a shitload of food in that pond for them to for them to munch on. Um, but yeah, that was that was a hunt that I remember forever, just because I've never shot. Very many canvas backs and end up shooting twenty twenty two. I can't remember. I, I, I'd have to look at the picture and and count. So not everybody grows up getting to shoot twenty six canvas backs with your dad and your brother like I did. Nope. <laughs> Breaking the law. I'll tell you what, me and me and dad, Ron Stanfield, and and dad is. We've got another podcast with Ron that's going to come out, and we're going to have another one or two. We're dad's dad's having some health issues, and we're trying to get as much as we can with him on on fil- tape and film while we can. And uh, I'm sure he appreciates hearing that. Well, he he's he knows the situation just like we both do. I mean, it's, but and, and he knows we've talked about. It. But anyways, to, on to, to to things that are more positive. We uh, we will have dad's another podcast with dad coming out late this week. I believe is that, is that the plan? I think Friday. Friday, the Ron, Friday Ron Stanfield number two will come out, and we have had a ton of people request more stories by dad. Yeah, he's got he's got a shitload of them. He did. We smoked the ducks, and I, and I and when I tell you folks, when I'm when I tell you when I was a kid growing up, we waterfowl hunted a bunch. We we never deer hunted. We dove hunted some, but we lived for duck hunting, and we would hunt every weekend. We would hunt if my my dad was a fireman, so if he was on the fire department on Friday, we would hunt Saturday morning. We as soon as he got off the fire department, or a lot of times he would save up his vacation. And uh, they are trade out with anybody, but we hunted probably. I'm gonna say on a, a sat, every Saturday and Sunday, every day of the hunting season, and we might miss one or two. And he took me and my little brother with us, me and Tony, and we started out when I was about eight years old with him, and Tony was about five, and he hauled us everywhere. And he's a great dad, and God, I owe him for that, and I love him to death for everything he ever done for me. But he taught us about hunting, and we duck hunted all the time, and we took a hundred shells with us. And when them hundred shells were gone, we came home. And there's days we'd stack up 30, 40, 50 ducks, and there's days we'd kill 14 or 15. But we had a lot of good places to hunt, and we hunted hard, and we killed a lot of birds. But, God, we used to put the decoys out. Did you? Oh, shit. We'd have, we'd, Dad would have five dozen duck decoys, and we'd put out two dozen floater geese. Really? That's a lot of bird for, two, for three guys. And we could have killed the same amount of birds with a lot less decoys. Oh, I'm sure. Now, and that's when we had the boat with the blind built on it and stuff. But now when we hunted the dairy, we had a dairy that we hunted up by, down by Winthorst, Texas. And we hunted it, and we used, a lot of times we don't have four decoys. 
four to six the old Victor decoy, especially when it was froze up. Mm-hmm. And we had winter back then, so it was froze a lot. How many bands did you kill back in those days? The best band day we ever had, I was 10 years old and Tony was seven. And we killed a couple black ducks that day. It was, it, it was cold, cold, I've never cold shot day. a black duck. It's the only times we ever did. We killed a few that winter. But anyways, uh, a pair of mallards came in and Tony shot a hen and I shot the drake and the hen was double banded. What? Yeah. With a reward band on it. Reward band. And about five minutes later, another pair of mallards came in, and Tony shot the hen, and I shot the drake, and it was a banded. But Tony shot two reward banded mallards the same morning. How much money? Uh, I think it was $10. I've killed a $100 reward band a couple of times, though. Yeah. I've got a couple of them. Um, we shot, we didn't shoot a lot of banded birds. Dad never killed a banded bird till we got in the hunting business. Huh. Me and Tony both, when we were kids, shot four or five apiece. And Dad Poor. never would. Dad was just one of them guys who never could kill one. Poor Ron. Oh yeah, and boy, I used to give it hell about it all the time. <laughs> I mean, all the time. I'll tell you a funny old story about Dad. Dad, my Dad played music all over the United States. Played in bands. Played with Charlie Daniels for a little bit. Decided he didn't want to do that because Charlie was going to country and you couldn't make no money playing country music. Uh, he's played with lots of people. And been all over. So, anyways, we Dad loves Roy Clark. They're both from the same area. Dad, they've got mutual friends. So Dad was a big Roy Clark. Thought thought he was the greatest thing ever. Well, Garth Brooks come out and got real real popular, probably around 1990. I'm guessing 1991. And me and Dad were going. Just me and Dad were going on a hunt one morning. We're going to go goose and crane hunting. And we're driving down the road, and and I'm jacking with Dad, and I've I love messing with my dad because he gets worked up big time. Well, he grits his teeth and gets pissed off and old blood vessels in his neck gets going. And he, we're going down the road and we get, and I, and I talked to him about Garth Brooks song comes in. I told dad, I said, this guy here is going to be like Elvis Presley. Oh, bullshit. You know, and he starts negative about old Garth and I'm not a Garth fan at all no more. I used to like Garth. So I told him, so I'm telling you dad, he's going to be big time famous. And Dad tells me, he goes, by God, he, if Roy Clark wanted to hit song, he'd have one right now. I go, what? He goes, Roy Clark. I said, Roy Clark? You're comparing Garth Brooks to Roy Clark now? <laughs> I said, he said, hell yeah. Or Garth, or Roy Clark plays Las Vegas. I said, well, hell yeah, he does because there's a bunch of blue airs out there. <laughs> Boy, then I really got him fired up. So we get to the field and we're putting the decoys out. And he goes, well, how do you want to do this? I said, well, I think Roy Clark would do it this way. His sense of humor is waning big time. He is not enjoying this. So we get done hunting. And I start calling him Roy instead of Ron. And he's, oh, he's getting worked up. Well, I tell my buddies in college about it. And one of my buddies comes over. His name's Chuck. And he's a he's attorney in Wichita. He's a good friend of ours. And Chuck, I tell Chuck about it. So Chuck walks in and he goes, hey, Roy. And dad goes, fuck you, Chuck. <laughs> and so all of my friends, all of my clients, when I first got into business, would call him Roy because they knew it just it wore him out. Well, he's going. He's at the fire station one day, and they're getting doing meals. And he goes to the grocery store and getting groceries. He's walking through there, and somebody goes, "Hey, Roy!" And Dad goes, "Hey, fuck you!" And looks back, and it's some guy talking to the produce manager. Produce manager's name was Roy. Oh shit! Hey, Dad. Dad said, "Oh, it looked like a ass then." Oh fuck! Hey, fuck you! <laughs> That's what he said. Hey, fuck you! I kind of like, what the hell? Are you talking about? <laughs> What's your problem, dickhead? Hmm. Well, old, good old good old Ron. I don't even remember how I got started on this. But anyways, Dad I, had never killed a band, but but I that's uh, 
Yeah, I, I remember. People don't call him Roy too much anymore. No, but they used to a long time ago. Everybody did around the lodge. Yeah, I know. Like, I think like old friends call him Roy. Like I think uh, Keith calls him Roy. Guys from back in that day call him Roy. Yes, they still do. They and they call him, and he answers to it. Yeah. And I had a guy ask me one time. He goes, "I'm confused. Is his name Roy or is it Ron?" I said, "Well, it's Ron, but we nicknamed him Roy." <laughs> Roy Clark. Well, he got he did he got fucking pissed off. Mm. Woo! That same trip, one of them same trips at that time, Dad had a heart episode on one of the goose hunts. And it was a teal hunt, I thought. No, 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 no. This was before that. This is oh before Dad had a big heart attack with Andy on Andy's twenty first birthday, wasn't it? No, I was. No, it was my freshman year. Freshman year at Tech, and he took you to Hooters to eat. Yep. And Dad got done, and his blood sugar was like 618. And I was like, God dang, Dad, what the hell did you eat? He said, oh, I had six ice cream sandwiches. I go, six? I said, did you have a cooler with you? No, I had to eat them real fast. They were melting. Yeah, they were melting. I had to eat them real fast. I had to eat them real quick. But uh, anyways, we had, we was hunting up around Gillen, and Dad had a heart, heart he was having some heart problems. So... I guess I was 16 or 17 years old, and we're driving in, and he wouldn't let me drive because he didn't want me to have a wreck and kill him. <laughs> That's what he said. No, hell no. Just wear your seatbelt. So if I have a wreck, I don't kill you. And we get to the hospital, and they put him in ICU. They do some check on him in the ICU. And Dad stayed in the Seymour Hospital for two or three days. Why would they didn't transfer him to Wichita? I have no idea. Yeah. But anyways, they had a kid in there that, had, that was 18, 19 years old, healthy kid. He's in ICU next to Dad, and... Dad asked the kid, he goes, well, what are you in here for? I mean, they're right next to each other. And the kid goes, well, I tried to commit suicide. And Dad goes, well, what would you do? He goes, well, I tried to slash my wrist. Dad goes, that ain't how you fucking kill yourself. He said, you get your fucking gun and you stick it in your mouth. And that's a, well, they had that kid away from Dad in three seconds, <laughs> boy. I told him, do not talk to him. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. But he is never, he, he, until we got up here and he's, he's killed a bunch of banded geese since then. Yeah. But we didn't, I mean, shooting banded ducks, I think the geese, they get a whole flock of geese. I do the same thing with ducks. But we've killed multiple banded duck geese more than once. Yeah. And I've only known about two times we've ever shot multiple banded ducks. Never happened when I was around. There's been a couple times that we rained the geese out and there'd be, I think, I think, uh, well, I think Tony was hunting one day and shot three bands out of one flock. Yeah, and they were all close to numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. four, five, and six, or something like that. Yeah, that was done by rule. Yep. But we don't. But we don't shoot nothing that's banded unless it's a spec and it's a mature spec. Yeah, I can't. I don't remember the last banded cannon I've shot down here. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the guys that'll shoot the banded, the big birds, and they'll be shit. They'll have six bands in a I, morning. I, night. I went hunting in Alamosa, Colorado. Oh, we got the guy I went with might not might not appreciate me naming where I was hunting, but anyway. I went hunting in Colorado, and uh, we shot, we were there for three days, and I think we shot like 12 bands or something like that, but they, shit, that's just where they were, They they the birds don't migrate hardly up there, and they were banded like 30 miles from where we were hunting, and fuck, they just don't ever leave. You know, and, and you broke one of the golden rules. What? And, I, and I'm going to give this this advice to people that aren't in the hunting business. This is a Joe Public advice. I don't care if this if you're fishing or you're hunting. This this relate this this is meant for you. And if you break this code, you're wrong. And you're an ass for doing it. 
if your buddy invites you to go hunting at his place, you don't go back by yourself and hunt. You don't take your friends back to his place. Now, this is not about being in the hunting business. So don't get me wrong. This ain't about any of that. This is, if I go hunt, if, if we've got a place that we go hunt on our own, that we have scouted and hunted a couple of years, not during our time of year, it's early, it's preseason stuff, no customers, no nothing. And if I take a guy there to hunt and it don't cost nothing, it's just front hunt, you don't go back and hunt there by yourselves. And it's that way for everywhere. So if someone takes me fishing and they've got a honey hole at a lake they go to, you don't get in your boat and go back the same place they do. That's wrong. And that's my, that's my advice, and that's my thoughts on that. Because I've been down that road before, back a long, long time ago. Before I ever got in the hunting business, I took some guys duck hunting on a pond. And then I go back to the pond to hunt two weeks later, and they're there hunting. <laughs> well, you said you were going hunting with some other guys. We, we didn't have a place to go. Hey, you don't come back to my place. That's not, you don't do that to people. I found this. And I have so many people that have done that, you know. And, and I hear about it all the time. But yeah. if, if, if someone invites you hunting and they're nice enough to take you to their hole to hunt, don't go back and try to backdoor them on, on going hunting there. That's wrong. Now, would you say the hole or just the area in general? You don't go back to the hole. Oh. I mean, we'll, we'll use Call Lake as an example up by Stillwater. I've never hunted there. I've, I've only been by there. But it's a good duck hunting place. And if some guy takes you to Call Lake to go hunting ducks and you hunt up there with him, and he's got a little point that he hunts. You don't need to go back to that same place and hunt. Oh, I agree. Now, if you go hunt on that lake and you do your own thing, he really ain't got a bunch of room to bitch. Right. He's taking you to a public place. Right. But if he's got Farmer Joe who's got a pond down the road from there, and Farmer Joe don't care who hunts, but this guy scouted it and hunted and asked for permission, you don't go back later and right. ask that guy if you can hunt where that guy took you. No, I agree with that. That's just wrong. I thought I thought you were getting on to me because we went and hunted up there. Four no. or five years after I after the initial invite. No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is you break the golden rule when you said the pl- name of the place. Oh, right, yeah. But you just don't do that to people. If someone's nice enough to take you hunting on their place, you don't try to go backdoor them and go hunt the same place. No, that that's uh, that that is wrong. That's shitty to do, especially yes. especially if you call that person your friend. Yeah, you you can you like can if you find friends. it together, you know, there's some gray area there. Yeah, I agree with you on that. If you're together and you scout and find a place, then that's that is a gray area. But, but if that guy's hunted there a couple of times and he scouted it and found a place to hunt, you don't go back door him and try to get in there. Right. Be generous. Be nice to people. Don't be a fucking douche. And what's bad? At, do you think that these guys know that they're wrong, or do you think that they're just oblivious? Like, oh, it's public hunting. I had a guy from up north do this to me one time, and a buddy of mine worked with this guy. This guy was an older guy. And and he invited, he asked me, said, hey, I got a guy that works for me that moved here from Maryland or wherever, and he likes to hunt, and he's, he's just moved back down here, and could we take him hunting with us? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind at all. Well, I took him hunting. Well, about six weeks later, I'm, go, I'm hunting, and we got done hunting, and the game warden pulls up, and he's checking us, going through all of our stuff. And we're sitting on the side of the road, and this guy drives up with another guy. Hey, Jeff, what are you doing? Fuck, I'm hunting. You know? What yeah. are you doing up here, you know? Right. You're three and a half, four hours from your home already. Right. Five hours away, and I was nice and let you come with us, and now you're going to go up here and do it on your own? With a buddy? Yeah. He called me like two weeks later. Hey, you want to go hunting? Hell no. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. You that, know? Buddy, that buddy probably hunting the place, too. 
Yeah. Oh, it made me mad as hell. It just, but, but that's the way people do things. Yeah. You know, if somebody goes out and they find a place that you're hunting and you're getting permission, well, don't get mad at them for getting permission also. Right. But don't go try to undercut your buddy. I, mean, I know a lot of good hunting areas in the world for migrate from waterfowl from people telling me about it from different places they've been. Yeah. I've got a guy that, that hunts in Canada that's a client of ours that, that hunts with me every year. And he's told me the name of a bed and breakfast he stays at up there and how these people will let you hunt and do this and stuff. I don't want to take customers. I like to just go up there with you boys and hunt for three or four days. Mm-hmm. I don't want to infringe on him right. and ask him, hey, do you mind if I called those people or if I stayed there? Right. And he's always been real open about it and like, oh, you need to go there. You know, I feel I like you'd be, be betraying his yes, trust. I don't. I just don't think it's right. And there's a lot of a lot, a lot of our feedback is from do-it-yourself hunters on our, our right. podcast. Yep, it's not outfitters. There are no. a lot of outfitters that listen to us too, but it's it's the the do-it-yourself guys. And those do-it-yourself guys, they they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they've been burned every one of them. Oh, I guarantee you. It's I like being on a fishing guide. You go down the Padre Island and go fishing in Laguna Madre or at Rockport or Louisiana, and there's a guy goes fishing and he's sitting there put, making marking spots on his GPS so he can go fish on his own. Mm-hmm. Well. If you're fishing in public water, you're technically what you're doing is wrong. That's a guy trying to feed his family, but there really ain't nothing you can do about it. If what now? It, it, guys doing the fishing guides down there. They're not supposed to be guiding on public. No, 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 no. They can guide on public land on oh, public water, okay. right. but they get guys that fish with them that are marking their GPS is going to come fish it on their own. First of all, most of, most of them ain't going to catch fish anyways unless they're with an outfitter. Right. I mean, they might catch some, but the majority of them aren't. But and he's on public water, so you really can't say much. But it's that whole. It's the same thing, though. Yeah. You know, you're paying that guy to go fishing. You're not paying him to give you all of his honey holes. If I was in fishing guides and I saw a guy doing that shit, I'd, I'd go fish other shitty places. Oh, you'd be fucked if I was running that boat. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck that. I'm gonna go some other place. And yeah. Try yep. Yep. Nope. You're gonna, you're not gonna get my honey holes. I wonder if they reserve the honey holes for like established clients. Probably that that they know that aren't going to try to do that shit. Like guys that they've seen three, four, five years in a row. Yeah, or a guy like a guy from Knox City, Texas, goes to South Padre Island and goes fishing with the same guy every year for 10 years. Shit, I'm not going to drive down South Padre Island and go fish on my own. Fish on your own. I ain't got a boat. Right. So, so it kind of works that way. Yeah. And I, I'm sure waterfowl guys that hunt on public water deal the same thing. Boy, can you imagine hunting on public water? No. And you go to get to your blind, and there's some jackass sets up blind twenty five, and you're paying people are paying you to people, hunt. Yeah, we've hunted public just a couple times, and I was a nervous wreck. And you know where where we hunt in Texas, there is virtually zero other duck hunters. I don't know why, but none of the locals here hunt. But shit, you know, it just takes one jackass out there cutting. Cutting cookies, as as Mr. Blake Poppy would say. Uh, cutting donuts or doing something stupid, and your hunt's done. But, I mean, like I said, we've only we've only uh, hunted public land maybe three, four times tops. But each time I was like, oh, we're not going to get where we need to go. And then, But each time it's worked out, thankfully. Well... The, the, the you just got to be public land is such a a fine line. But I'll have guys that'll call me and they'll be like, want to know where we hunt at in the area, and that you can tell they're fishing. Oh really? Oh yeah. They'll be like, well, what days do you have open? 
you know, and, and you, you tell them what days you have open. Was that a good time of year with birds? Yeah, you know, this is the highlight of our, this time right here is usually our peak migration, and you go over some different things with them, and they're like, well, w- where do the birds roost at? Mm-hmm. And then that's usually the first right. first thing that, well, this guy's, you know, trying to find out something on his own, and then, well, what area is it in? We hunt all over. Well, I mean, like, how far do you hunt from Knox City? Well, we hunt in about a 20-mile circle of Knox City. Well, so that roost lake is out, you know, then you can kind of. Right. And then I, and a lot of times I'll say there's no public land here. Oh, mm. there's not. Nope. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. That's mm. the thing is there where we're at here, it's all locked up. So can't really do that here. Well, I think we have had a pretty good little podcast here. Yep. Coming up on an hour now. So thank you for listening. And like I said, uh, we've got that giveaway going on Facebook, Four Man Goose Hunt. Look it up, follow the rules, follow all the rules, and you will be entered to win. And what we're going to do is we're going to do something new starting tonight. We're going to have a word that we're a word, and you got to go to the Facebook page, and you got to write that word down, and we're going to send you a tumbler, one person per episode. We're going to spend a tumbler too. But that way you got to listen to the episode, find out what you're going to win. The phrase that pays. The phrase that pays. That's a good way. <laughs> and this week, it's going to be Brant Goose. Brant Talked talk about a Brant. You write on Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, and you'll put something on there that say Tumblr giveaway, and then you got to put Brant down. Well, that's a sneaky way. That's Hey, we'll find out who's listening, and we'll send you a Tumblr. We're going to do one every, for every podcast we have for the next couple of weeks. Man. The phrase that pays is Brant Goose. So I'll I'll post a picture of a Brant and what if somebody that didn't listen to the podcast just puts that phrase on there? Like, well, hey, it's a Brant Goose. The world is full of Democrats. <laughs> so yeah, phrase that pays. I'll put something up there and or yeah, that's that's all I'll do. I won't even put a picture up. I'll just put Tumblr giveaway. And then, and then you, you comment Brant Goose underneath it and that's it. No more other details. Nobody else will know. If they don't listen, they won't know what's going on. Then what? Just pick a number? Yep. We'll pick a number and we'll give one away each week. Or each, each episode. We'll have a phrase that pays every episode. The phrase that pays. Anyways, cool. thank you for listening in. It's jstanfield68 on Instagram. He finally figured it out. For so long, he didn't know his own fucking handle. I got so many friends. I didn't need to. Jay Stanfield 68 on Instagram. I appreciate it. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Mine is Andy underscore Shaver. Go give me a follow. If you've got any questions, send them my way, send them Jeff's way, or send them to the company, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. We'll get back to you. And be sure and subscribe to our podcast on uh, iTunes. I don't know how it works on Spotify and those other ones, but if you're on iTunes, be sure and subscribe. That way you get a notification when, when we drop a new one. So, Anyway, go do that. We're going to try to, well, we are going to release, we'll have three up a week. So that's kind of the, kind of the pace that we're shooting for. So be sure and subscribe. That way you don't have to guess if one is up. It'll, you'll get a notification on your phone and you can enjoy that episode. So be sure and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.